the scripture today. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. And then we'll go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Both will be on the screen for you this morning. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. The Word of God said, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in tongues or unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Today as we conclude our series on serving, I want to share a word with you. I've just simply titled, Find Your Place and Use Your Gifts. Find your place and use your gifts. If you would, one more time, pray with me and for me. Father, thank you for your presence that we felt here today. Lord, this is the word of God that we have read this morning, and we believe your word. So I pray that you would anoint it. I pray, God, that you would anoint these lips of clay, not to speak with enticing words of men's wisdom, that it would be your words that would come forth today, and that your words would come forth in the power and the demonstration of your spirit. Sometimes that power is like a mighty rushing wind, but at other times, God, you speak powerfully to us, Lord, through just a subtle teaching word and I pray that you would do that today I pray you'd anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive what you're speaking to your people and we'll give you the glory the honor and the praise for it in advance in Jesus name and everybody said amen you may be seated now if you'll participate this morning and pray really hard for me I'll do this in about 20 minutes if you don't buckle your seatbelt we're here for a while amen um, so this morning I want to talk about something first before we dive into this serving aspect. And first of all, I want to talk about the fact that how we are created for the very purpose. Somebody said, we spent too much time in worship this morning. No, we didn't. I said, no, we didn't. We were created for the very purpose of worshiping our Creator. The more time we spend in worship, the more adored that He is. And I want this to be a church, and I want us to be a people who celebrate worship. 
Last Sunday night, one of the things that I witnessed that was so beautiful to me was the fact that you have to understand a lot of people say that Asbury is a Methodist university. It's really not. Uh, it's really a non-denominational university, but it is the, one of the number one approved uh, seminaries for the Methodist movement. Uh, and a lot of Methodist ministers do attend Asbury, but Asbury has roots in a strong Methodist, Wesleyan, and Holiness background. They, they claim that. They are named after Francis Asbury, who was a Methodist minister and a Evangelist. But one of the things that I experienced that was so beautiful to me was the fact that in that place there were people who worshipped very privately and very maybe softly and very quietly, but they worshipped nonetheless. And there was other people who worshipped very vibrantly, very expressively, and very openly. And you know what was so beautiful about that? None of the people who didn't worship the way the others did were worried about how somebody else was worshipping. Because everybody was focused on getting into the presence of God. And it was a beautiful thing because there's hundreds of students there that have never experienced church in that way before. That's one of the testimonies that comes forth from this revival is that I saw a young lady who said, I've attended the Methodist church all of my life and I never knew that church could exist like this. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And one of the most beautiful things about it is that people were hungry. I have never seen people so hungry and so passionate for the Spirit and the presence of the Lord in my entire life. Never. And you know what? The beautiful thing is that people celebrated the different styles of worship. Can I tell you this morning that whether you are a jumper, a shouter, or somebody who stands quietly and cries with hands lifted, as long as you're getting into the presence of God, that's when God can move. And Freedom Point was established to be a place where you are free to worship. It's one of the things that it says over the door when you enter. And we will celebrate that freedom, and we will celebrate that freedom with our acts of worship. And last Sunday was to be served Sunday, so we're continuing that today, talking about the vitally important aspect of serving. And can I tell you today that until, in your walk with Jesus, until you make it a point, make it, you make the effort to serve somewhere in the body of Christ, you will never enjoy the benefits and the fulfillment of your walk with the Lord. You'll never enjoy the full benefit and the full fulfillment of your walk with the Lord. Can I tell you this morning? It is simply not enough to come to church and worship on Sunday and call it a week. God did not call us to keep what we have inside this building. Can I get a witness? This is a place that you come to get refueled, if you will, so that we can go out into the world, and that's where our service begins. And so you'll never experience the full benefits of your walk with Jesus until you get plugged into serving. If it was not vitally important, Jesus himself would not have set the example on his last night alive on this earth when first of all in scripture it told us the Son of Man came not to be served, but to... And if Jesus felt that way, he also emphasized his feeling that way by on the last 
supper, on that last night, he got up from the table, he took a basin of water, and he took a towel, and he began to do something that they at that time, and in that day, they did not even ask slaves to do. Did you realize that? He began to wash his disciples' feet, demonstrating to them that he was there to serve them. God, give us a church in this community that will demonstrate to them that we are here to serve them. That's what God has called us to do. So I'm going to move through this as quickly as I can this morning, but I want to share with you about two people. The first person I want to share about is a lady by the name of Hetty Green. Hetty Green died in 1916 as the world's richest woman And yet she was also known as a miser. She lived as a pauper. She was a businesswoman who many referred to as the witch of Wall Street. She left an estate. Listen at this. In 1916, when she died, she left an estate with an estimated value of $100 million, which is the equivalent to having more than $1 billion in today's currency value. Hetty regularly at that time ate cold oatmeal because she felt like it cost too much to heat it up. Her son, listen at this, her child had his leg amputated because she took so long to get him adequate health care because she wouldn't stop till she could find a free clinic. A hundred million dollars. Let her child suffer because she couldn't find a free clinic. And Hetty died in the midst of an argument over milk. I thought I'd got into some pretty silly arguments in my day. But she argued over milk, that skim milk was the best because it was the cheapest back then. She was wealthier than just about anybody in the world, but yet she lived like the poorest of the poor. She never enjoyed nor benefited from the riches that were hers. I'll tell you why I told you that in just a minute. A second person that I read about lived on the west coast of America living in poverty. Until one day he found out, he received the news that he was the only living heir to a British nobleman. Now listen, in today's society, if somebody sends you an email from Africa or somewhere and tells you you're the only recipient of an inheritance, please don't click on the link. Say amen, somebody. It's a scam. But he found out he was the only living heir to a British nobleman. You know what he did? He immediately went to a department store. He spent his last dime on the finest suit that he could find and the ticket, a first-class ticket to London, England. And he returned to London to live in style, took his inheritance. He received what was rightfully his, and he began to enjoy and reap the benefits of that lifestyle. Why did you tell me that, Pastor? Because I told you already, until you recognize and realize the vitally important aspect of serving in your walk with Jesus, you will never fully experience the benefits of all God has to offer in your life. So I ask you this morning, which illustration best describes you in your walk with Jesus? In our scripture today, Paul said, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Those of you that are just King James only people, I always can, uh, I always confer to the King James. I always uh, compare with the King James in any illustration I use. But for those of you that think it's King James only, maybe you'll like this better. I don't know. Instead of Paul saying it so nicely as he did in the New King James or in the NLT, I don't want you to misunderstand this. In the King James, he says, I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning this. 
Paul used that phrase, I would not have you be ignorant, six different times in Scripture in his letters. He used it twice in his reference to the Jewish people regarding Jesus, once in his reference to his plans to visit the church at Rome and share the gospel with them, once regarding the sufferings that he and his team had endured while in Asia, once in reference to the end times and the resurrection of the dead, and then here in this passage of Scripture where he says, I don't want you to misunderstand what I have to say about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are special abilities that are um, uh, distributed by the Holy Spirit to every, say every, every believer according to God's design and grace. They are spiritual endowments that are used for the ministry and purposes of God so that every single one of us can make our unique contribution to glorify God and do the work of the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Spiritual gifts allow us to serve one another better Because we are no longer drawing on our own abilities and power, but rather we are using God's abilities and power within us to do the work that he's commissioned us to do. And just as your passion, I told you at Asbury, I've never seen, and I haven't ever in the church, and I prayed while I was there, God, let me see that kind of passion for your presence. But just as your passion answers the where question, where you are to serve, your spiritual gifts answer the what question, what you are to do when you serve. And so there are five things, I'm not normally an expository preacher, but I'm going to be today. Five things quickly that I'm going to touch on that Paul tells us in this passage of Scripture. The first thing that Paul explains to us is that a spiritual gift is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. A spiritual gift is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Verse 7, the term spiritual is appropriate because the origin of all spiritual gifts is the Holy Spirit who equips us. It's also appropriate because the purpose of these gifts is spiritual and it's not worldly in nature. Spiritual gifts are meant to do God's work in the kingdom. And they're referred to as gifts because that's exactly what they are. They are gifts that are given to us. It's not something that you choose for yourself. It's not something that you can earn. In fact, the Greek word translated here for gifts in Romans 12, 16 is charismata. And that word means special gifts of grace. Is anybody thankful for the grace of Jesus this morning? We all have spiritual gifts to offer if we're saved. And in other words, any ability that we have is 100% the results of God's grace toward us. What is grace? Pastor, grace is unmerited or undeserved favor from God. See, you can learn a skill. You can learn how to play an instrument. And you can acquire a talent. And you can work with that talent. If you are talented to sing, you can work with that talent and improve it and get better and better. But you are given a gift. Is anybody with me? A gift is not something you can earn and it's not something you can learn. It's something that is given to you and spiritual gifts are given by the Spirit. So can I tell you something this morning? Pentecostals. For those of you that didn't know you were in a Pentecostal church, hello, good morning, you are. But let me tell you something. Spiritual gifts, the Holy Ghost does not just make you speak in tongues and shout and run the aisles. Sometimes He makes you hold your tongue, bite your tongue and shut your mouth. Right? And the same Holy Spirit that might use somebody with the gifts of tongues and interpretation is the same Holy Spirit that equips somebody with the gift of hospitality that welcomes people into the house of God that may not otherwise have felt welcomed. It's the same Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that equips discipleship teachers to teach on Wednesday nights. Now when I was growing up in church, one of the fondest memories that I have as a child was something we called 
Thank you, Sunday school. We don't have Sunday school anymore because we don't do it on Sundays, but we have discipleship. It's the same thing on Wednesday nights. And listen, if you're not a part of it, God is doing something marvelous in our discipleship program on Wednesday nights. We had 190 people present last Wednesday night for discipleship. And let me tell you something. Those discipleship teachers are important. Can I hear an amen? Those people that pour into your children are important. If you're not a part of discipleship, you need to be a part of discipleship. And I'm going to say something right now. That I got a lot of help in the 845 service. And I realize I may not get a lot of help in the 11. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you this. If you can make sure that your kids get to ball practice, you can make sure they get to the house of God for discipleship. I'm not against ball. I am, however, turned off by the Wildcats this year, though. Let me just throw that in there. Not at all against sports at all. I love them. But let me tell you something. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. There's coming a day when your children will remember what they were taught in discipleship. But they can't remember it if you don't get them here. They'll remember experiences. Listen, let me throw this out there. Sports is a great way to learn teamwork. Sports is a great way to learn everybody else's value. But let me tell you, nothing is a replacement for teaching your children the Word of God. Abby's involved with the youth on Wednesday nights kind of somewhat as a leader, just leading worship and doing some things. And Shauna Sizemore, uh, who was on the worship team and here for 845, uh, she still does the high school discipleship program. And Abby sets in sometimes on their uh, discipleship part after their service on Wednesday nights. They, if you didn't realize, middle schoolers and high schoolers go into small group and they discuss the message and, and their experience with the Lord and all of those things. And Shauna teaches that portion of the Wednesday night service to the high schoolers. And you know what Abby said? Abby said, Shauna, you're not nearly as hard on them as you were on us when we were teenagers. You know what that tells me? And Caitlin says, Amen. You know what that tells me? That tells me these girls have memories from what they were taught in discipleship. Trust me when I say it's important. Secondly, and I'm going to move through these quickly. Spiritual gifts are given for the common good. Spiritual gifts are not given to glorify you. Spiritual gifts are not given to make you feel important or make you feel better about yourself or make you feel better than somebody else. We ain't got any holier than thou's in here. He's the only one holy. This book tells me our righteousness is as filthy rags. This book tells me there is none righteous, no, not one. So spiritual gifts don't put you on a pedestal above somebody else. They're given to glorify God. They're for the common good, the benefit of others and the entire church. And they do one other thing. They make following and serving God enjoyable. And that allows us to serve God with a joyful heart. It's important that you figure out where you're called. Because listen, Angela Crouch is doing MPK right now. Kayla Jones is doing ESM right now. They were in the 845 service. MPK is nursery, preschool, kindergarten. ESM is elementary school up through fifth grade. Did you know that every single Sunday, they minister between two services back there, anywhere between 60 to 100 kids every single week, nursery, preschool, kindergarten through fifth grade. Can I tell you why it's important that you know what your giftings are? If you ain't gifted to work with two-year-olds, please don't sign up for MPK. 
Because the impact that you might make on our babies is not the goal we're trying to achieve. Can I get a witness? It's important that you work where your giftings are. But the spiritual gifts allow you to serve the Lord where those giftings are with a joyful heart. They're given for the common good, not for the benefit of yourself. Thirdly, every believer is given. Every believer is given. Say every. If you're a believer, every believer is given at least one spiritual gift. Paul makes a point of that in saying that God gives severally to each one as he wills. God gives each one, each believer, a spiritual gift. Spiritual gifts are not limited to leaders in the church or to the pastor staff or, or, or the discipleship teachers. But when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit will manifest himself. And one of the ways that he will manifest himself is giving, the giving of and us using the spiritual gifts that we've been given. And it may even look like a talent or a skill, but it's much more than that because God will work through that gift if you'll surrender it and give it to Him and use it for His glory. Fourthly, there is a diversity of spiritual gifts. In verses 8 through 10, the Bible teaches us that each person is given a gift so that they can play a critical role in God's work of salvation to the world. Paul says there's all kinds of spiritual gifts. And did you realize, a lot of times I think as Pentecostals we don't. We focus on nine spiritual gifts. But did you know there's actually three different passages of Scripture where Paul references spiritual gifts and he lists and names some of them there. And if you take all three lists, that's a total of 21 spiritual gifts. And then if you want to count in the Old Testament, there's two that are referred to as spiritual gifts in the Old Testament for a total of 23. So Christians, believers, by necessity, have differing spiritual gifts. We all have different gifts, but they're all given so that together we corporately accomplish what God wants to be done through the church. And fifth, listen, I can't emphasize this enough. We are mutually dependent on each other. We are mutually dependent on each other. Paul uses the human body as an example. He talks about how every one body has many members, but they don't all serve the same function. And just like it's necessary for us to have eyes, ears, hands, mouths, feet, and all of those things working together to function correctly and efficiently, it's also necessary that the church has people with different gifts which they use together for the common good. And I know this may seem like a silly analogy this morning, but what if I gave every single one of you some Lego building blocks? Some of you guys would be like me, you'd have a good time. But what if I give everybody a different Lego building block, all different colors and sizes and shapes, and then I issued this challenge? Build something with your Lego blocks, but there's one condition. You can't use anybody else's Lego block. Now what can you build with one Lego block? Nothing. That's the answer. And some of us in this room have received very large, colorful Lego blocks. Listen to me. Which everybody can easily see. Everybody notices. But guess what? You still can't build a single thing by yourself. But some of us in this room are given much smaller, less colorful Lego blocks. But when they're paired with the other Lego blocks, collectively, together, we can build something beautiful for the kingdom of God. Does anybody understand what I'm saying this morning? That's how it is in the church. That's exactly how it is in the church. We're all given different shapes. Somebody say amen. Different sizes. Different function. Different prominence. 
But it's only when we all work together that we can build up the kingdom of God. How many houses have ever been built with a single hammer? None. How many symphonies have ever played using a single instrument? None. And how many healthy, say healthy, because that's what's important here. How many healthy churches have ever been built by one or two gifted individuals? None. Do you know what makes me happier than anything? When Angie and I were gone to the Church of God Top 200 conference the end of January, we weren't even here, and all of the team did their collective jobs together, and all of you that volunteered did all of your collective jobs together. Shauna Sizemore delivered the word, and another soul was added to the kingdom. He's still sitting here this morning. That is what it's all about. I wasn't anywhere near the place. But God was because of the collectiveness of the people working together for the kingdom. God has made the church one body with many members. So if you're a Christian, you have a spiritual gift. It's already been given to you. But if you're going to enjoy the fulfillment that God has given you or God will give you, you have to get plugged in to serving. If they'll put the spiritual gift assessment slide on the screen this morning. If you didn't get to complete this. You can scan that QR code now. I don't want you to complete it right here at this moment, but scan that QR code. It'll bring it up for you, and it's only 35 questions after the service. You can do it. It'll score you. It'll not only provide you with the definition of the gifts, but it'll also provide you with suggestions on how you can use those gifts to serve the body of Christ through this local church. What happens, Pastor, when we use our spiritual gifts? And you can just leave that on the screen there. When you use your spiritual gifts, three things happen. You contribute your part to the body of Christ and God's work in the world. Allowing the body, this body, to work to its full capacity. When you use your gifts, number two, you will be obedient. And if you're busy doing anything for God, that's good. If you're busy discovering what your strongest gift is, that's better. But if you've discovered it and you're developing and serving using your gift, that's the best thing that God wants us to do. And thirdly, when you use your gifts, you'll grow in your effectiveness in ministry. Other words, in other words, you will have a greater impact for the kingdom of God. And here at Freedom Point Church, we believe totally in operating in and living and doing ministry out of our strengths. We are all, say all, we are all called to serve and we all have gifts to offer the body of Christ. And maybe you're wondering where it is God wants you to serve. When you understand your gifts, you won't any longer be confused about that. When you understand your gifts, you will no longer question whether or not it's of God. When you know what your gifts are and when you surrender everything to God, trust me, you become a powerful tool in the hand of God. I said it before as I come to the music this morning. I'll say it again. We don't just come here to get our Sunday fix. But we come here to get filled up with more of the Holy Spirit. We ought to be praying for an outpouring every time we come in those doors. We come in here to get filled up with the Spirit of the Lord so that we can go out there and use our gifts to build the kingdom in the body of Christ. Folks, listen. I firmly believe this. I believe right now what you're seeing in this world is the beginning to the third great awakening. That's what I believe. I believe that the night is far spent, as the Scripture says, and the day is at hand. And we must work while it's day because night is coming when no man can work. There are hundreds of homes around this church, on the streets around this church, that vehicles are in the driveway this morning. People are at home with the remote. 
changing the TV, but they're not in the house of God. They don't know who Jesus is. They've never accepted him. And God help us that we won't be a church that comes in here and gets our fix and lets them go to hell. God help us that we'll come in here and get filled up with the power of the Spirit to go out there and tell them about who He is. That's my mission. If you can't tell my heart, I'm sharing it with you this morning. That's my mission is to take as many people to heaven as we possibly can with us. If you'll stand with me all over the room this morning. The question I want to ask you is, are you willing to take... God has gifted to you and use it to glorify Him and build the kingdom. During my time of study and prayer this week, the Lord reminded me of Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 32. Here's what that scripture says in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 32. It says, does a young woman forget her jewelry? A bride, her wedding garments. I can tell you, my wife don't ever forget her jewelry. Does a young woman forget her jewelry or a bride, her wedding garments, her ornaments? Listen though. Yet my people, that means we belong to Him, have forgotten me days without number. That's the way it is. When we come in on Sunday morning and worship and act like we've done our due diligence for the week. And then we go out six days and do nothing else. We're forgetting Him days without number. But God has gifted all of us and it's time that we stop forgetting God and we start using our gifts and can I tell you you may not feel like your gift is significant but we need your gift we need each other we need the benefit of those spiritual gifts and I've already read what Paul said about the body I'm not going to read that passage again brother Eric I know you have it but I'm not going to read it again Paul said we're one body but many members can I tell you this morning nobody else can do your serving for you. I said it last week and I'm on and week before last, I'm gonna say it again. God does not want you to watch him use somebody else. God wants to use you for his glory. So even if you haven't accepted him as your savior yet, all he's waiting on is you to accept him. And listen, if that's you this morning, all you have to do is accept Him and repent. What's that mean? Turn from your sin. Lay it down at this altar. Get up and turn from it and don't pick it back up. Turn from your sin. Repent. Give your heart and life to Him. You know what He wants to do? He wants to set you free. That's what God wants to do this morning. He wants to set you free. And if you've never accepted Him as your Savior this morning, I believe there's a room full of people here right now that will testify with me. Jesus Christ will be the best decision you'll ever make in your life. He's the best thing that's ever happened to me. I'm going to close with this this morning. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. For you've been called to live in freedom. My brothers and sisters, this is the verse this church was founded on. You've been called to live in freedom. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use that freedom that God has given you to serve one another in love. Our service in the kingdom of God is just one of the ways that we show our gratitude for the freedom that we enjoy. We serve because we know 
he sets free. So I want to ask you this morning a simple question. We're going to open this altar, have a time of prayer. I want as many people that will to come and pray with us this morning. The questions I want to ask you is this. Will you, this is personal, will you make yourself available to be used for his service? Will you ask God to help you identify the gifts that he's given you and to find your place and to use those gifts for his glory? Why? So that we can reach the lost around us. That's the goal, folks. Are you willing?